All right, let's jump into it. You should have a copy of notes. They are slim notes. Let's see if we can keep it slim tonight. But we are continuing our study of Galatians called Verified. Raise your hand if you have been reading in your own time, not on my time, on your time, in the letter to Galatians along with the study. Jordan Bellamy, ladies and gentlemen, is reading the book of Galatians. Talk to him after the service. All right. I don't know what it was. You can turn to Galatians chapter 2, by the way. I don't know what it was about uh, my YouTube history that caused their elaborate algorithm to suggest this video to me. Uh, but I came across a video, it was of Billie Eilish reacting uh, to people who were performing covers of, of her songs. And so, you know, they, they would, I guess they, they, they selected certain people that have uploaded onto YouTube uh, covers of various Billie Eilish songs, and then she would watch them and respond to them and uh, encourage the person, you know, the musician or the vocalist, you know, what she liked about them, what she thought that they did well, different shades and nuances that they, they brought that uh, kind of changed some elements of, of the song. So they, they filmed uh, Billy responding to, you know, the, you know, the kind of the amateur YouTube stars. Uh, and then they, they asked them to film their reaction when they got to hear Billy's approval. It was a little bit like, I don't know, y'all remember that meme that, that went around a few years ago about the photographer who took the pictures of the people when they were told they were beautiful? And uh, due to some Collins, somehow I ended up in that meme as well. Uh, but you just, you know, you see their, their face light up. It just made their day. For some of them, it made their year. It made their life uh, to hear Billy say that uh, they're a good singer. And, and they, would, they would say things like, you know, I hope this is an answer to all the haters in the comments. You know, all the people that were criticizing them or critiquing them. You, you got the original source herself. And she's a talented musician. She is. I'll give her that. Um, you know, saying that the, these people have, have some nice chops. Uh, we have something so much more than that and so much better than that. When, when the God of the universe, the God who holds every single molecule in its place. I mean, you guys realize that if... If the fundamental constants and quantities in the universe were, were adjusted like this, we would be out of existence. There would be no matter. There would be no chemistry. There would be no planets. There would be absolutely no life because he's holding it exactly where it needs to be for you and I every moment to be sustained. That God over our lives in Christ says, you're approved. Right? What kind of good news could you hear today that would make the kind of difference in your life that it made when, when these people found in their inbox, Billie Eilish has responded to my video? You know, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you have a different category that matters to you somewhere else where you want to be recognized or noticed, or maybe you're just hoping nobody notices you and you want to play it safe, and that's what a good day is. Nobody saw me do anything stupid today, so there's no evidence. You know, uh, I didn't say anything lame. Uh, you know, whatever that is for you, what would help you? What would, what would bring joy to you this week? What redefined your life on the order that these people experienced? That's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about the verified 
life, how we get it and how we experience its impact. So let's read Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to read in verse 19 and through chapter 3, verse 5. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? We've got two points tonight. The first is that Christianity is achieved outside of you, and the second is that Christianity is experienced inside of you, and to be a Christian, you need both of these encounters, all right? So first, Christianity is achieved outside of you. It's not just the Christian faith that has a gospel, right? All religions propose some kind of solution, some kind of rescue to uh, what is the, the problem that humanity faces? And you don't have to be religious to offer that up. Everybody's got opinions on what fixes life, what fixes culture, uh, what do we need to adjust in government or society. You know, celebrities will hop on with their verified accounts and promote their particular angle about what we need to save the planet from or what we need to do that helps us. But for, for most of those stories, the problem is something that's outside of you Right, it's you know the, the the people around us. It's society. It's um, your your friends. It's it's all the toxic people in your life that you need to get rid of. The problem is out there. Bad thinking that people have promoted, and the solution is inside of you. If you look deep enough, if you be true to yourself, if you follow your heart, that was the kind of like the 90s Disney version of this, but it's morphed throughout the decades. But the, the answer is, look inside and there you'll find hope. Like Christianity uniquely turns that on its head and says, stop looking inside, ultimately, because it's not gonna be found there. There is a problem to be found there, but the answer, the salvation, has to come absolutely outside of you. And that's really what Galatians is all about because there was, there, there was this temptation that the Galatian congregation 
they were having to start to look to themselves in some way to provide that. And Paul's saying, that brings no hope. That only brings trouble to you. But the gospel, it's first an announcement of something that has already happened before it's instructions of something to do. Right? This is something that I, I'll often ask people. I do interviews for people that are coming into the church for membership. I just want to get to know somebody. And so sometimes I'll ask them, okay, tell me about the gospel. What's the gospel mean to you? And it's, it's, you know, it's not infrequent where, where people will start listing what it means to follow Jesus or how to live like Jesus or what God expects from us or God's commandments. And those are all valuable and true things. They're just not the gospel. The gospel's not mainly a list of items for you to check off and do. In fact, the gospel is not first and foremost how to live for Jesus. The gospel is how Jesus has lived for you. And that's what Paul highlights here. Now, I want you to think about it like this. You know, what if this week were already lived for you? It's already happened. Anything that needs to take place, right, whatever it is that you've got to do, that you, it might ha have you feeling a little bit anxious. Now, maybe I'm picking the wrong week because a lot of you, you're on fall break, and so you're feeling relief right now, and Monday is so distant, whatever's due there isn't on, on your mind. The homeschoolers are feeling like, what, not fair, y'all get a break. You know, yeah, it exists, but y'all get a break. It's called life. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I can offend the homeschoolers because I was one, all right? Um, all right, so, but, but you might be nervous about something coming up in a month or so. There's an audition. There are tryouts. You really hope you get the part as the, the clicker person for youth, and, you, you know, you've been working out your thumb skills. Um, you know, something's, something's coming up, or, or maybe you know, there's a test project, or maybe there is a conversation you've been putting off. You know, you need to have that. You know, you need to interact with your parents about something. You might need to confess something, own up to something that you've done, pursue a friend that isn't talking to you anymore. Uh, what if somebody came up to you and said, hey, guess what? I already did that. It's done. You can thank me later, right? I already took that test for you and aced it. Here's the results. Or I already scored the winning goal for you. Everybody was cheering you on while you ran down the field. Or I already spent two weeks without your cell phone, so your punishment's now over and you can have it back. I already went through that experience for you. Think about the hard realities that you face right now or that you will face in your future. You know, the, 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 the kind of the face the music moments relational breakups that might happen at some point. It does. That's, you know, half of the genre of music is all about those. Um, failing at something that you've tried, and you tried again, and you pressed on, and you have to kind of come to grips with the fact that maybe this isn't my thing. Maybe this isn't for me. Getting fired one day. Right? What's the worst thing that could happen to you? Right? What if there were some app that you could pull up and, and somebody else, it's like you'd press pause and somebody else would stand in and go through that experience in your place. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Now, 
there kind of is something a little bit like this that I recently heard about, and it's an app called Somebody. And the the way that this works, I don't suggest you download it or use it, uh, but it's it's a messaging app. But what 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 happens is you you send a message to one of your friends or somebody you want to talk to, but instead of that going to them, it goes to a stranger, who then is the stand-in for you, who then finds them in person and communicates whatever it is that you want to say. And maybe, you know, you can give you, the emotion that they want them to have. They kind of use their high school theater skills and they're in tears. And it's that moment of, hey, you know, it's not you, it's, it's me, it's not really working out. And so you could do that, you know, breaking up by texting's lame. So instead, use this app and have somebody else do it for you in person. Um, I, I'm not sure if this is getting much traction. I'm sure it's created some pretty weird and awkward experiences. But when I heard about that, I thought that is something only a millennial would do. <laughs> you know, that is something that a millennial would come up with. Um, but here in Galatians 2, and what we just read, Paul describes an entire biography that he personally did not live. A death that he did not die, that has become his. This is something that's been achieved totally outside of you. Before you were born, before anybody asked your permission, 2,000 years ago, there's an entire backstory and resume that becomes yours by faith in Jesus. So look at some of the elements here. Verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, right? So the, the law, what it does is it, it shows up and it says, hey, you got to die, because you're not doing this right, and you're not doing that right, and, and, and it doesn't provide any kind of search within and find any hope there. It just is a giant magnifying glass, unfiltered, staring at all of your flaws and exposing you for who you are and the selfish things that you do and what's inside of your motives and all the ways that you don't measure up to God, and it says, hey, you deserve death. And Paul says, thank you, I did. I died. I've already died. Right? What, if you've already died, what's the worst that can happen to you? you know, what, what, what kind of threat could make any difference in your world? I came across this uh, movie poster recently. Uh, it's for a movie titled The Dead Don't Die with Bill Murray and the guy who played Kylo Ren. And uh, Selena Gomez apparently makes an appearance in this as well. It doesn't seem to be that great of a movie. But of course, it's a zombie apocalypse scenario, uh, which is where the title comes from. But, but that's true, right? If you're dead, you don't have to worry about dying. And Paul says, I died. I died to the law. I died to demands. I died to external outward pressures to measure up and conform and be something. I died to the penalty and everything that I deserve to have brought into my life personally that already happened when Christ died, we died. We died under judgment. 
we died exposed. We died being shown for the fakes that we are. We didn't get to carefully manage the presentation of what showed up at Calvary. It glaringly displayed how ugly our sin is and broadcasted that before the world. It's already done. The worst thing that collect together all of eternity What's the worst that could happen to you? The worst that can happen is for you to die separated from the God that you were made for, the God whose approval you long for. And what Paul's saying here is, that happened to me. But not to me personally. I pressed the app and somebody else stood in my place. Jesus has come. He lived in my place. He lived a full life, which, by the way, is why, you know, Jesus didn't just kind of, like, come down to earth in an alien spaceship and land real quick and get killed and go back up to heaven. Uh, he, he lived a full life. He lived as a toddler. He lived as a teenager. He lived in his young 20s. Every season of life with the unique elements it brings and the weirdness it brings and the different challenges and temptations, he, he experienced it all. There's a whole bio that he has, not because he needed to do any of that, but so that it could be yours and mine before God and before the universe. And so Paul says in verse 20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not something that's achieved. It's just received by us, accomplished outside of us. In fact, when it, when it comes to what makes you verified, God doesn't want your accomplishments. Right, whatever game we play, trying to make an offer to God of how we've been on our good behavior most of the days, and so maybe he should be okay with some of our bad stuff, it doesn't work with him. If it, if it did, then the death of Jesus was a big waste of time and blood. That's what he says in verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness, righteousness is just a word for a, an acceptable standing, a verified status, if I could get that through my obedience through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And, and, and whenever we act like we need to earn this toward God or toward the, the world around us, we, we act as if this never happened. We, act, we, we make the death of Jesus pointless. You know, I've, I've heard this illustration. You know, it, 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 it'd be one thing to run into a building. Let, let, let's say, you know, this, this building caught fire and most of us made it out. And, you know, uh, we were aware that a few people were, were left inside. And, and if I were to run back in, Jordan would probably be more likely to do this for you than me. If Jordan were to run back in <laughs> and rescue um, so, some people, but in the process, he gave his life. Something exactly Jordan would do. Um, right? we, we, we would see the, the beauty and the wonder and the necessity of that. But if on the other hand, everybody made it out safe 
and we're all just kind of waiting in the parking lot for the fire department to come, and Jordan were to say, I love you guys, and he ran back into the burning building and died, we would have said, well, what a pointless act that is. It wouldn't make any sense. Right, the, the, the reason why, <laughs> sorry, man. Uh, the reason why Jesus' death is beautiful is because it was not pointless, but necessary. If there were any other way, Jesus says in the, to the Father in the garden, if, if, if one ounce of human goodness could help, that would be less suffering that he would have to experience. Line up all of our achievements, line up everything that we can do, all of your capacities, all the ways that you feel like you're cute and innocent and a nice person, and none of it was worth allowing the Son of God not to give his life. And so when we try to cling to something in me that's okay, something, no, I really am a good person. I really, I'm a great church kid. I'm very polite. We try to cling to that. Um, we're, we're telling Jesus, what a pointless death. That's what Paul is saying here. But the Galatians were in danger of wanting something else. They, they wanted more than the Galatians 2.20 bio. Right? The, the, the deal of this is that's what you get. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. He lived. Those are the stats I get. Everything he earned. But when I try to smuggle in, but, but I'd like to show up there too. Can we put some of my trophies on the mantle too? There's, there's a little bit of space right there. When we try to reach for some of those things, we are functionally saying that Jesus is not enough for us. And that's what the Galatians were in danger of doing. And, and, and Paul brings a very interesting angle to this, all right? Toward the beginning of chapter three, y'all got your Bibles open still? Verse one, he says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified, Right? Now, we might read that and think nothing of it. And All right, moving on to verse 2. I'm almost done my Bible reading for today. Um, but stop and think for a second. All right, these guys, they're in the areas near Galatia. That's not Jerusalem. They weren't present for the crucifixion. In fact, there's no evidence that they knew at all anything about the historical Jesus. Paul shows up in Galatia and tells them about what's happened in, in, over in Jerusalem. This, this history-turning event happened under your nose and you didn't even realize about it, but the destiny of humanity has been changed because of what God has done in Jesus. They have to be informed about that. They didn't see that. They weren't there and yet Paul says, it was before your eyes that Jesus, in living color, vividly, was shown as the crucified Savior. What are you talking about, Paul? He's talking about when he came and he preached to them. He's talking about the proclamation of the gospel. He says, I was just using words. I wasn't doing theatrics. There were no puppets involved, but you saw something all the same. God allowed you to experience 
the reality, the drama of the gospel. Jesus entered the stage and everything that was required for the rescue of our lives happened. And he told them about this and it made an impression on them. It didn't stay at just the concept level. It wasn't just a coloring sheet that they took home from children's ministry. It was lifted off of the page and it was real to them. There's this song that slaves in the, in the South uh, in the pre-Civil War years would, would sing. And it, those who had come to be believers, they would sing this song, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble tremble when I'm at the foot of that hill and I see him in all of his perfection and all of his glory laying down his life because of my sin and my heinousness it makes me tremble I, I question I want you to take seriously Have you ever trembled? Has the cross of Christ ever had that kind of an impact on you that there weren't just words traveling in this year and all of that one, but you, you saw something, you perceived something, not with these eyes, but with the eyes of faith, there, there was value in Jesus. And he was everything that you need. You're supposed to see and experience something in preaching. Wednesday nights, Sunday morning. Does that happen for you? That doesn't happen in the same way for all of us all the time. But do you regularly feel like, you know, what's the big deal? I didn't get much out of that. I don't know, that didn't really do much for me. I was thinking about something else. Here's what Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, the way that he describes this, the seeing. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. He's talking about the preaching of the gospel there. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So this is something that's achieved outside of you, but, but to be a Christian means it, it's experienced inside of you. God flips on the switch. The lights come on. And, and this, this vacancy is experienced. This, this place inside of you that you realize you need Jesus to come and to, and to fill and, and to bring his perfection and to bring everything that he has accomplished to redefine life for you. You trust him. You see him. You love him. You don't just believe in, in the sense that you believe two plus two equals four. This is not just the accumulation of facts. Paul says, 
how could you be leaving the one that you saw? And then he says, you, 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 you got the spirit, right? This is, this is the language of experience. He's talking about new birth. He says, there was faith there, and, and there was the Holy Spirit, and he was present, and there were, there were miracles. God gave you all of that before you did one good thing, before anything about your life would suggest yourself to him as to why he should care about you. He pursued you, and he flipped the lights on in your life. He rescued you out of darkness. That's what it means to be a Christian. He says in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, and he says this is why we know that you're the real deal, is because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Timothy Keller writes, a Christian is not someone who knows about Jesus, but one who has seen him on the cross. Our hearts are moved when we see not just that he died, but that he died for us. We see the meaning of his work for us. I just love how Paul makes it so personally. He says, he loved me, and he gave himself for me. It's one thing to know because you've been around church long enough that Jesus died on the cross, quote, for our sins. It's another thing to see him there for you and to, and to see with honestly what it is about you that required that. That that was not a pointless death. That you needed him to come, right? This is the difference between reading a recipe for spinach and artichoke dip and making the dip and tasting it, right? Which is, y'all have mature enough taste buds to know that's good stuff, yeah? Spinach and artichoke dip, spin dip, you give with that. The middle schoolers are like, I'm not so sure. It's good stuff. It is, you'll, you'll come around and see it's cheesy gloriousness. Um, but you have to taste it. You, ha you can't just read the recipe. You can't just know, okay, I, you know, I, have, I have this much garlic, this much salt. You don't just know the measurements. You have to experience something to know this. Right, so to, be, to have the verified life means something has been done outside of you to achieve it. And something has been done inside of you to experience why you need it. And what it ought to do in us is to keep us near to him, to keep us near to the cross. Martin Luther, whose life was turned upside down by the letter to the Galatians, he said, I feel as if Jesus was crucified only yesterday. That's how close it is. It hasn't become some old, familiar, boring thing. But what Paul's telling the Galatians is, you felt that at some point. It won't hurt you, you know. I took a quick moment to see what it was. It won't do anything. Um, at, at one point you saw that, but now you're running after other things. And the reason is it's like something's cast a spell over you. He says, who's, who's bewitched you? Who's hypnotized you? Who's, who's come and, and brought something that was so alluring that you now think you need to be running with this club over here? and that it's Jesus plus the things that you can do, 
that are going to get you good places in life. They, they had become enchanted. They, they had become enamored. In their case, it was circumcision. Probably not our thing for, for most of us in here that we're enamored with. But we have our own messages, our own, hey, if you could just get this to life, if you could just get this person to notice you, if you could just add this little tip and trick and system, if you could just discover this about yourself, if this group of people will applaud and, aff- and affirm you, then, then good news will come. As long as the, the Billie Eilish video comes in your inbox and she likes you and she thinks you're something, well, now life has turned around and all the difference has, has been made, right? They, they had their own version of that and we have ours. But notice, when something else has captured your attention and gets your eyes and grabs your desires, you don't see Jesus in the same way. And that's the problem that they're experiencing. I just want to bring this in, in, in closing to one particular way that I think this is a struggle for us in our culture and the day that we live in today, way that we, a way that we become under a spell. This, this world is after your attention. Right? That, that's part of what verified content's all about is this is worthy of getting your eyes. This is somebody who matters and you want to welcome them into your feed uh, one of the things that I, I was making fun of about TikTok last month is that uh, you don't even get a choice. Like, you don't even get to kind of, they're like, you, you can follow certain accounts, but nobody even pays attention to that. They, they, they just bring, there's this sudden inundation of content that now gets your eyes and gets your ears. There's an article in the New York Times, it was titled, How TikTok is Rewriting the World. And they say this. TikTok assertively answers anyone's what should I watch with the flood, right? So you don't get, unlike Netflix, you know, all these options to browse and scroll through and finally pick the movie an hour later that you want to watch. It just is right there. In the same way, the app provides plenty of answers for the paralyzing what should I post. Somebody else hands you the script. You want to get noticed? Just duplicate what's viral right now, right? The result is an endless unspooling of material that people, many very young, might be too self-conscious to post on Instagram or that they would never have come up with in the first place without a nudge. It can be hard to watch. It can be charming. It can be very, very funny. It's frequently in the language widely applied outside the platform from people from other platforms. Extremely cringe, Feedback is instant and frequently abundant. Virality has a stiff tailwind, right? I just, last, a few weeks ago, I posted a video and it's like, it it had 70,000 views within a couple of days. And it's like, I I get why this is a drug for people because that kind of instant feedback and, and global audience, there's something alluring about that. Stimulation is constant. There's an unmistakable sense that you're using something that's expanding in every direction. The pool of content is enormous. Most of it is meaningless. Some of it becomes popular, some great, some gets to be both. As the Atlantic's Taylor Lorenz put it, watching too many in a row can feel like you're about to have a brain freeze. They're incredibly addictive. And something I saw many people posting was, and, and they tended to be people my age, um, 
I downloaded this app as a joke, and now I'm addicted. You seen that? And it's like, why, why do I want to watch all these weird lip sync dance videos? You know, um, listen, that might not be your thing. You might not even be allowed to, to have this app on your phone. More power to your parents. Um, whatever it is for you, something gets your eyes. There are feeds that come into your world. And your ability to notice things, your ability to engage things, to be enamored with things, to, to, to be stunned, to find something interesting, to find something cool, to want to do that in your own life, to want to be discipled by that, right? That's how viral content gets off. We're being discipled by learn this dance and you can be verified too, right? Um, you, you, you've only got, that's not a wrong thing. But listen, there's only so much of you to give. And then eventually Paul shows up and says, what's enchanted you? Wasn't it before your eyes that you saw Jesus? And now you don't want to spend any time with him? And now you're, you're running after other crowds and craving approval in other places and thinking your life really stinks because you can't get your parents to agree that you need that too. What happened? Did you not experience the Spirit. I, I, I want to pray for us in two ways. One is maybe for some of you, 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 you knew some of the facts of that first point, but you're not sure that you've experienced the second one. And I want to, I want to pray for you for that. For many of us, we know something but too infrequently of what it's like to see before our eyes Jesus. Tony Reinke in his book, Competing Spectacles, Treasuring Christ in the Media Age, he says, in sum, all my concerns are dwarfed by this one, boredom with Christ. In the digital age, Monotony with Christ is the chief warning signal to alert us that the spectacles of this world are suffocating our hearts from the supreme spectacle of the universe, the supreme one who deserves our eyes. Be honest. You find Jesus boring? The one who's been there and back again, the one who's lived every stage of life for you and says, I've got this. I've earned it for you. I've died. I've died judged and condemned and bearing the wrath of God, and I live, and now I live in you. Does he ever get your eyes and the affection of your heart? Let me pray. Lord, this really does make all the difference in life. It, it transforms what can feel so urgent and scary. The things that we feel like we, we've got to get done and we've got to do well in in order to be somebody. Lord, how amazing it is that all of that can be settled. And not just on a human level, but our greatest need that we we need to know you and be in relationship with you, that Jesus has done everything required for that. 
Lord, I pray that we would see that. God, I pray that as we've heard about that, these would not just be words. This would be more than just sound waves traveling through our ears. Right now, the eyes of faith would see Jesus and all of his desirability and all of his sufficiency and how he has done everything necessary for life. And God, that we would experience that. Lord, for some, there would be real faith, maybe for the first time in our lives, where this, this is the new birth. This is the Holy Spirit coming inside of us. Not because we deserve him, but because he's a gift. But Lord, for many of us, Lord, would we, would we guard and protect the, the peace of who we are that was meant for our Savior? Lord, would you allow us to tremble? May we be there. May we draw near to what Jesus has done and what he is now doing in our lives. In his name we pray, amen. If y'all have any questions about any of this stuff, about your own life personally, I'd love to engage you uh, about that. So just come and talk. Thank you.